Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclb.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. You're good. You're good. Well, Memorial Day weekend. Aren't we thankful for just a blessing of being free? Amen. Amen. Well, if you would, take your copy of God's Word, begin to find Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. We're beginning to continue, or we're not beginning, we're continuing in our series, dealing with parables, talking about kingdom secrets, and talking all about seeing, hearing, and understanding. And we talked about the crucial part of understanding that parables have one major theme that run through them, although there may be some other applicational thoughts that can come from a parable. Jesus is giving us one particular major theme as he runs through parables, and we've been looking at some of those parables, discovering what Jesus has to say to us as he's preaching to the crowds, what he would say to us today. And the, the tendency, unfortunately, for us today is when we listen to the parables and go, you know, that, I don't know if that's really for me. I don't know if there's anything in there for me. Well, let me just set you at ease. There is, okay? There's always something in the Word of God for us. And we should never approach the Word of God in vain. We should always go seeking through the power of prayer, asking the Spirit of God to do a work in our hearts in order that we would glean from the Word of God that which God intends it to be in our life. Because God is always teaching. He's always got something for us. And even when I sit through uh, long boring sermons. Uh, sometimes we go, okay, God, there's something in this. And so um, I was already, by the way, I was already teased about being long-winded this morning and uh, by one of my demons, I mean my deacons, excuse me. And so uh, I'll try to be, uh, you know, mindful that it is a weekend of holiday. And so uh, I'll try to remember that. But listen to uh, the parable as Jesus gives us, and I'm going to talk about the parable of the sower today in Matthew 13. Listen to the verses as Jesus gives the parable, beginning in verse 1, chapter 13, Matthew's Gospel. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house, and he sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. By the way, this is the parable of the sower is just the first of four. He gives four parables while he's sitting in the boat and the folks are listening on the seashore. We just have time to deal with one of them today. But it says that as he spoke in verse 4, he said the parable said he went out and he sowed and he, some seed fell on the wayside and the birds came and they devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. Verse 6, but when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up, and they choked them. But others, verse 8, fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Verse 9, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then slip down verse 18, 
Jesus does something for us. He gives us an interpretation of the parable. It's always great when Jesus tells us what he's saying. So notice what he says, verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Here's what it means. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed on the wayside. Verse 20, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Verse 22, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word. And he becomes unfruitful. And then verse 23. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who bears the word. Or excuse me, hears the word and understands it. And he indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Jesus is giving a parable about a sower. Not too uncommon in the day where you would see a sower out in his field, a farmer throwing and scattering seed. There was two ways in which they would do that. Sometimes they would do like most probably do, and that is they would plow the field, and then they would plant the seed. But many in the time, according to historians, tell us that what they would do is when they went out to sow seed, before they would even till the ground, they would take the seed and they would scatter the seed by hand. And as they scattered that seed, you can imagine that some of that seed would fall in some good places, some would fall in some not so good places. And so here's the image. Jesus says there's a farmer who's out there and he's scattering his seed in his field. Now these fields were long and narrow and in between that would be the paths by which people would walk. And oftentimes because of the society in which they lived, they would walk through fields. So it wasn't that they were walking on the plants, but they would walk in between the plants and they would walk through the field. And so the ground would be, obviously be hard in some places because it was well-traveled. And so Jesus takes this imagery of this man going out and sowing seed. And as he's sowing seed, he begins to help us to understand a principle. And so what I want to do is I sort of want to tell you the purpose of the parable. So why is Jesus giving us this parable? And by the way, all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all record this same parable. They have a little bit of variance in between them, but they all begin with sort of the same idea. That is that Jesus was teaching in the house and he comes out of the house. And as he comes by the seashore and he stands there, the crowd becomes so massive around him that he retreats to a boat. Not to get away from the crowd, but that he could be better, a better orator and be able to stand on the sea and project to the crowd this parable. I want you to think about that for a minute because this parable is all about not the seed, not the sower. It's about the hearer. It's all about the receptivity of the seed being sown. Verse 9, he who has ears... To hear, let him hear. You remember we talked about that, or maybe you don't, but we talked about that in one of the parables before, and we said that what that is is that when Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, it is all about the receptivity of the message in which Jesus is preaching. There will be some, no doubt, in that crowd, that multitude that's standing there, who will tune Jesus out. They're not really listening. 
Just like some in the sanctuary this morning. You're here, but you're not really listening. Then there's going to be some in the crowd that no doubt they're going to hear what Jesus says and they're going to listen to him and they're going to say, well, you know, that's some pretty good stuff that's coming out of his mouth. And so they're going to be, you know, just a little bit interested in what he's saying because it sounds good. And then there's going to be those who are going to say, you know what, that's not just sounds good, but that's for me. I need that in my life. And so they'll begin to think about how can they receive this truth into their life and apply it to their lives. And then there are those who... They understand it. That is, they go beyond just saying, hey, that's good stuff. I need to apply it to my life. They understand the spiritual depth of their depravity. They understand that without Jesus, they are nothing. Without him, they are lost. Without him, they'll never go to heaven. Without him, they are without hope. And they'll understand that. And what they will do is they will come in faith. And they will not only receive the word. Listen, they will receive the Lord. Amen. And it'll make a difference in their life. And we know this because of the way the seed produces. So when we begin to look at the parable this morning, we need to understand it's about the receptivity. It's about the the heart of the person who is listening. Because our tendency would be, when we listen to the parable, our tendency would be this. Well, Jesus is telling us that that one out of four people we talk to will get saved. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not giving us statistics. Jesus is not saying, well, let me give you some evangelistic statistics in the nation. He's not doing that for us. All right? So our tendency is to look at that humanistically and go, well, obviously the interpretation, one out of four is going to get saved. That's not what he's saying to us. What he is saying is that there are folks who will respond and there's folks who will not respond. There are people who will come to faith in Christ and there are people who will not come to faith in Christ. Amen? Amen. So when we listen to the parable, we need to understand, let's not focus in on the statistical data that we find there. The second thing I want you to be careful of as we look at the parable is this, that the seed is the same seed. That it's not that if I could just, you know, have a different seed, if I can have a better seed that, that I can plant, that I'll have a better result. That's not what we're talking about, okay? The seed is the same seed. Here, Matthew calls it, it's the word of the kingdom. We would call it today the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so here's the seed that's being sown. It's the same seed, whether it falls on the the hard place, on the rocks, or whether it's in the thorns, or whether it's in the good soil, it's all the same seed. So don't get confused. The other thing I want you to understand as we approach this parable, as we understand what it's about, that it's about the hearer and how he hears and how they receive the word, is don't get all bent out of shape about the sower. That is that the sower is sowing the seed. Maybe if he would just be a little more cautious and he would sow that seed a little more uh, to the right, he would get better soil. See, the idea is that sometimes we think, well, if we can just have a better methodology of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we'll have more people get saved. We're, we just got a problem with me. If I can just learn to do it better, if I can do it like the preacher does it, if I can do it like Billy Graham did it, if I can do it like so-and-so did it. Listen, the reality is... That there is one sower. And he is doing the best that he can. He's sowing the seed. Amen. Amen. And the reality is, as you and I approach the text this morning, we don't need to look at ourselves and go, well, I'm just an insufficient sower. Or I don't know how to sow well. No, we just have to be called to be sowers. 
and we sow the same seed. We sow the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yes, some of us may be able to talk more eloquently than others, but the reality is, as long as you do the unadulterated truth of the word of God, that there is none other to save but Jesus. There's no other way to get saved but by Jesus. That at his His death, his burial, his resurrection is the only payment that God will receive for your depravity. Listen, we don't have to reinvent it. Amen? Amen. And listen, we don't need a hybrid seed either. Listen to me. We don't need a hybrid seed. That is, we don't need to add anything to the gospel. You know what I've learned? Hoyt, I learned a long time ago from an old farmer. You can have a hybrid seed that produces a great crop, but you'll never get any more out of it one crop. Amen? So you don't want a hybrid seed. You don't want to take that seed and do something to it to make it more appetizing or to seem to produce more. And that's what, listen, that's what a lot of churches are doing. There's a church in our neighborhood. I'll tell you what they do. Every Christmas they show a movie every Sunday. Let me tell you something. I'm not going to show a movie on a Sunday morning. Amen? I'm going to stand up here and preach the unadulterated word of God. Why? Because we're not about showing movies on Sunday morning. We're about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're about telling people that Jesus saves. Amen? And we're about... Helping equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We're not about watching movies. Amen. Amen? Amen? Because that's not what we're here to do. And I'm not trying to offend. I'm just telling you, that's not what we're here to do. Amen? And so when we think about the parable of the sower, listen as Jesus gives it to us. The first thing that Jesus begins to do, and hopefully you understand now that we don't make these assumptions. So you understand that the parable is about the hearer. It's about the heart of this person who is hearing the message. Jesus is preaching to this crowd. And you can imagine the disciples, I mean, just think about humanistically. If our house was full this morning, if we had no place to sit, if the balcony was full and the seats were full and people were standing up and we opened the windows like they used to do back in the old day when revival would happen, open the window so people could stand in the window and listen to the preaching of the word of God, we would be enamored. We would be like, "Woo! God's doing something here. But let me tell you something. Just because there's a crowd doesn't mean that everybody's buying in. And so when you begin to think about what Jesus is doing, Jesus is helping us to understand that there is the seed sown. So let's look back at the parable and let's look and we're going to look at verses 8 through 9 or excuse me, 1 through 9 and then we're going to interpret it in 18 and following. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump verses. So you just hang on, okay? We're going to talk about it in the original when Jesus says in the stony ground and we're going to talk about what is an interpret, okay? So let's look at it together beginning over in verse 3. Then he spoke things to them in parables, saying, By the wayside, and notice what happens. And the birds came and they devoured them. That wayside is that walking path. That is that path that is well worn into the ground. And it's hard and it's crusty. And so the seed goes on top. And as soon as the seed hits on top, the birds are watching. You can just get this, this imagery, right? The, the seed falls there, and what happens is the birds come, and they eat the seed. Amen? And so here they are, they're snatching the seed away, and Jesus is going to interpret that for us. What does that mean? What does that look like? Who are these people? I just call them simply the wayside hearers. These people that are in the crowd, they're listening to the same message of the gospel, but how do they respond? Well, slip down in verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Jesus is going to interpret. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, that is when they hear the gospel and does not understand it. Now I want you to understand, they may understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. They may understand the vocabulary that you're using. 
They may even understand sometimes when you slip the tongue and you're not necessarily saying the word rightly. They understand. They catch it. But they don't understand spiritually. That is, that you can talk about the Lord Jesus Christ dying for their sin, that, that he is the very payment for their sin, dying in their place, shedding his blood to wash away their sin, being buried but rising on the third day in order that they may be reconciled unto God and they will not understand it. doesn't mean they don't understand the words, but down in their heart there's no receptivity because there's no understanding. The truth has not penetrated the hardness of their heart. And so when you begin to think about that, Jesus said what happens is that they lack understanding spiritually. And as a, as a matter of fact, not only they lack understanding spiritually, but listen to what it says. Then the wicked one, that is the devil, Luke says, that the devil comes along. And what does he do? The devil, it says, comes along and he snatches away what was sown in his heart. Luke adds, lest he be saved or lest he believe and be saved. He said, this is he who received the seed by the wayside. So what happens? The devil is clever. So the devil doesn't want that seed to sit there. The devil wants that seed to be gone. Why? Because he does not want a seed to germinate, especially a seed of the gospel. And so what does the devil do? As quickly as the seed is sown, it goes into the wicked heart that does not want to understand. It is not one who believes because they are inept to believe. And as a result of that, Satan comes along and he snatches up that seed, lest it germinate into a seed of belief for them. And by the way, the Bible tells us, Paul is reminding us in Corinthians, he reminds us that the devil is very clever, that he blinds the minds of people that may not understand the gospel. That's his job, by the way. You know, the devil is clever. He doesn't want folks saved. Amen? He just doesn't. He hates Jesus, and he hates Christians, and he does not want anyone coming to faith in Christ. So he is a worker to snatch away the seed. In order, and by the way, I think, personally, in my opinion, you listen to what Paul writes to Timothy in the pastoral epistles, I believe not only is he the one that snatches the seed, but listen, he's the one that wants to put out the false seed. He wants to put out the hybrid seed. He wants us to add to the seed. He wants us to give us a different gospel. So he wants to give you a gospel that's joyful and happy and peace, and you have this fun-loving life and a good life now. Listen, he don't want to give you the truth. He don't want to tell you that you are a sinner bound for hell. You need Christ. There's nothing you can do about it. But Jesus paid the price for you. So he wants to give you a good life. He wants you to be happy about yourself. He wants you to go to church and feel good about yourself. Why? Because that's an allurement. That's to keep you away from the true gospel, away from the true seed. Because when we realize how wicked we are, listen, we can do but one thing. Throw ourselves upon the mercy of God. Throw ourselves on the mercy of God. So when we begin to think about this hard ground, it is someone who does not believe. And not only do they not believe because they spiritually they cannot believe, Satan comes and he snatches up that seed, lest it germinate into a place of belief. I want you to know, I've talked to people like that. I've talked to people who just don't want to believe. Amen? And by the way, I didn't say this at the beginning, but let me just say this again. Just because we have these four responses doesn't mean there's only four responses. All right? There are some people who won't even listen to you. Amen? They will tune you off just like that. You start talking about the gospel, I don't want to hear it. They tune you right out. So that's another response. So there's other responses could be given. But here Jesus is talking and he's saying, it falls on this hard ground, this wayside. They don't believe in the devil. Snatches up that truth. Lest, Luke says, lest they 
be saved by believing. And then Jesus, go back to over in verse 5, because he said there's another type of soil. There's another heart that is sown. He says in verse 5, he said, And some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. He says, and uh, and, and, And then immediately it sprang up because... They had no depth of earth. So I want you to think about this ground. This ground is that in that agricultural society in which they live, this is not the bedrock of ground that would be like the wayside. It's hard and unpenetrable. But this is some ground that maybe have been, you know, tilled up a little bit, but there's a lot of stone there. And because there's a lot of stone, you can throw seed and it'll go down in there. And, and if water does come, that seed will begin to grow. But because that seed grows without any real dirt, all it's going to have is the roots exposed. And when the roots are exposed, when the sun comes out and beats against that plant, there's nothing there with, to draw water out of the ground. There's nothing there for nourishment coming up. And as a result of that, that plant's going to wither and die. Amen? And so Jesus now likens that to another hearer, to another person who listens to the word and in response, listen to how he gives us that. Slide on over. He says over to verse 20, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he, listen to what he says now carefully, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Can I just tell you that what Jesus is saying is that there are people out there who listen to the gospel and they will receive it even with some joy. It's good news, amen? We call it good news. Thank the Lord. They, they will receive it with joy. But I want you to understand something. Just because somebody walks an aisle, prays a prayer, or prays a prayer to someone else, and they have this exuberance of joy, does not necessarily mean true salvation's occurred. Okay? So let's not be fooled by that. Because here's Jesus saying to us, that there's, there's a person who has listened to the word. They immediately, they gravitate to it. They receive it. They're happy about it. They're joyful about it. But then, what happens? The sun scorches them. Notice the text. Go back to verse 21. And yet, and I love what he says here. Listen to what he says very carefully. And yet he has no root. Notice what he says. In himself. Listen, nothing spiritual has taken place. He received the word, but he was not transformed by the word. Okay? He received the word with gladness and immediately embraced it. But that's all he did was embrace a theological truth. It never embraced him. Okay? How do I know this? Well, listen to what it says. There was no root in himself, but endures only for a while. So it's only for a period of time. Now, unless I believe you can lose your salvation, he's not saved. And so he goes on and he says, for when tribulation or persecution arises, notice for what sake, because of the word he immediately stumbles. See, what happens is this person receives, supposedly receives the gospel. They're joyful about that. They immediately enter into the supposed relationship. But then when it comes down to life and living the Christian life, and specifically living the life of persecution. Now, you've got to understand in the mind of the people listening to Jesus, and, and even Jesus was facing persecution in his day for the gospel that he was preaching. But when it begins to press down on you, when your life is un, under, under the crucible of persecution and tribulation, specifically, listen, specifically because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, it's going to bear out whether you're really his or not. 
So it's easy to throw them aside when things are tough. <laughs> Amen? That's what Jesus is saying. So these people who received the word with gladness and joy, listen, they really have not been changed. They're not, really not different. Can I just tell you that the, the epidemic in the church today is that, I just saw an article yesterday, said the Southern Baptist Convention is way down in membership. We got less people than we've ever had. But can I tell you, I believe what Ed Stetzer teaches, and Ed Stetzer said this, he said, the problem with the modern church is not that, Ed, we're losing people that, that were of any true faith. What we're losing is what he calls the nons. And what he means by that is that there was this culturally accepted place in America by which you went to the church. And you did that because that was a culturally accepted place to meet people, business. You know, you, you would go there because families went there. And it was, the, it was the place to hang out in society. But as society begins to change and church is no longer cool, what we're losing is people who are non-believers. That is, that on the outside they seem to have joy. On the outside they seem to be followers of Jesus. But the reality is they were there because of the social connections and the social connections only, not the connection with Jesus Christ. And what we're beginning to find is that those are the ones leaving the church. Why? Because it's no longer cool. So now they're getting persecuted. Oh, you go to church? Well, no, no, no not me. I don't go to, I don't go to church. You, you get it? And so what's happening, Jesus is talking about there are a group of people who seem to receive the word but they, they really have not received it because when the persecution and tribulation come as a result of that word, they quickly let it go. They, they let it out, let it, let it go on, okay? Or let it be gone, excuse me. And so two people, two unbelievers. The third one, go back in the text, slip back over to verse 7. And Jesus said this, and some fell among thorns, and the, thor the thorns sprang up and choked them. In my yard, I have um, what are those bushes called that we got planted down downtown? That you know, crepe myrtles. I got a, that right? Is that right? I'm looking at Hoyt because he knows. He knows. I got a crepe myrtle in my front yard by my driveway, and I am fighting with thorns in that thing. So if some of y'all know how to get rid of them permanently, I, I'll take some advice because I can't seem to get rid of them. I pulled them up, got some of the roots I thought up, and they just keep coming back, you know? And so I'm fighting with thorns in my crepe myrtle. Uh, now, thankfully, they're not baby plants. They're old, and they've been there a long time, and the thorns are not choking them out. But can you imagine if it was a small plant that I was trying to raise up into maturity, and the thorns overtake it, and it crushes it? Because I'm going to tell you something about thorns. They find their way to wrap themselves around everything. Amen. Yeah, amen. You know what I'm talking about. And so Jesus is giving us this imagery that there are these plants who come up and they're in the midst of these thorns. And what happens is the thorns wrap themselves around and they choke that plant out. Now, what is that kind of person? Well, Jesus gives us that kind of person over. If you slip over into verse 22, he says, Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. Same seed being planted, hears the word, and listen to what he says, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Now notice what happens. Here's another person who hears the word superficially. It seems like they receive the word, but here's the problem. They're too attached to this life. They're too attached to this world. 
You're saying, how so, preacher? Well, he tells us how so. Look what he says. He says to us that they are attached, first of all, to the cares of this world. That is, all they care about is what's happening here. They're not thinking heavenly. They're not thinking beyond today. All they can look at is here. They're they're focused right here in front of them about what's going on right here, right now. And they're so bound up in that that they're no spiritually good. But not only are they bound up in that, but you know what happens when you, get, when you get bound up in this world? When you're worried about this world, the second thing automatically happens, and that is the deceitfulness of riches. That is, that when we're going to live for this world, then guess what? The people in this world that we admire, the people that we think are great people, the people whose life we wish we had, are those who have the money. Those who have the power. Those who have the fame. Amen? Mark would add to this, Mark would say they love pleasure. And so when we begin to think about these folks, these are folks that hear the word of God, but they quickly fade away. Why do they quickly fade away? Because they're more concerned about, am I successful? Can I tell you, just, you know, we're in between Mother's Day and Father's Day, so this this works good. But can I tell you, parents, listen to me very carefully. We want our kids to be successful. I understand that. We, We don't want our kids to be or appear unsuccessful in the world's eyes. But can I tell you, if we help our kids to be successful and we negate that with the gospel for doing that, then we've done a disservice. Amen? It is more important. I don't care if my kids are the ones that pick up your trash on Monday morning if they're saved and they love Jesus. Amen? That's more important. Now, I hear a lot of amens, but do we really believe that? Because if we do, we're going to teach our kids that. And when I'm hearing a lot of amens from grandparents, amen, we all know, amen. We, we know, don't we, grandparents? We know. We know. We see all the investment we put in our kids. And we love our kids. And we're thankful for the investment. But listen, we want them to walk with Jesus more than anything. And we should. So this person is the person who's choked out. Literally, it comes in and it strangleholds them because that's their care. They're not in a relationship with Jesus. Amen. Their eyes are here and now. Jesus said it best himself, right? You can't serve two masters. You can't. You know? James said it well, right? The deceitfulness of riches, the, the love and the hunger of money is that root of all evil. Amen? When you are in love with money, not, not a bad thing to have money, but when you're in love with it, it's the root of all evil. And for this person, David, they're lost. Because they're too concerned about here and today. And then there is the last. And we don't want to get too carried away with the soil. We don't want to get too carried away with the results. But listen to what Jesus said over in verse 8. But others fell on good ground. This is the, this is the ground that is plowed up. This is the ground where the, the seed goes in into some great soil. And, and it begins to produce. And out of that production, listen to what Jesus says. And some of them, he, this crop... It was a hundredfold, sixtyfold, some thirty. I'm going to tell you right now: a farmer who gets tenfold would be excited. Amen. Somebody who said, "Man, I got tenfold," that'd be excited. Jesus is giving us the result of good planting. No, He's giving us the result of seed planted in good soil. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This person, Jesus, likens, verse 23, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he, that is the person, the hearer, who hears the word and understands. There's the difference between him and the first. The first one didn't understand. This person understands. 
Call it the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Bible says the Spirit draws us to the Father. It's the work of the gospel? Yes, amen. For Paul tells us in Romans 1, right? The, the gospel is the power unto God unto salvation. But this person is one who hears it and he understands it and he receives it. His life is radically changed, right? Notice what he says. He hears the word, understands it, and then, listen, who indeed bears fruit and produces a hundred, sixty, or thirty-fold. Now, we'll come back to that in a minute, but here's, here's how we know genuine believers. When somebody gets saved in church, how do we know it's genuine? By the fruit they produce. By the fruit they produce. Does the gospel in them produce fruit outside them that we see? Namely, are we making disciples if we've been called to be a disciple? Namely, are we about proclaiming the gospel of the good news of the kingdom? Namely, are we, Jesus said, let your good works be done that all men may see, right? So are we producing works that are good works? That is, works that don't point to Mike or point to the church, but are they pointing to the Father who receives all the glory? Is there fruit in this person's life? Now, the problem is that, and let's just be honest, that some people can produce what looks like fruit in their own strength. And so we must be careful. But how do we know the difference? We'll know the difference. What does the fruit point to, number one? But we'll know the difference over the long haul, won't we? Because if there are any of the other three, we know that, especially the other two, that time is the teller. That over time, they will either remain in Christ, if they supposedly are in Christ, or they will just simply fall away. Amen. Why? We say it fall away, but they really weren't part of us because if they were part of us, they would not leave us, right? John says, that I means they, were, they weren't really believers. Now notice this idea that he says that some are going to produce 100, some 60, and some 30. The reality is not every Christian bears the same amount of fruit. But that doesn't mean that every Christian has a right to sit around and go, I'm just a 30 fruit bearer. I mean, I just, I'm just a 30% guy. That's all that God requires me is 30%, so I can sit on the pew and do nothing else. This, that's not what Jesus is saying. But it is true that the principle is that, that some of us are gifted in various and different ways and some of us are not, and that's okay, but we're all gifted. If you are a believer in Christ, you have a spiritual gift, you have a spiritual ability that's been given to you that God is going to use in your life and through your life as you yield yourself in obedience to him. And sometimes, listen, God is not using us to the 30, 60, 100% capacity because we're not yielding in obedience. And so do I want to be used of God? Do I desire that in my life as a believer? I desire to be used of God. If I do, then I have to yield myself in obedience to that. Otherwise, I'm not going to bear the fruit. So Jesus gives us the parable of the sower. So the question becomes this morning, what kind of hearer are you? Because apparently there's, according to Jesus, some hearers who will listen but the heart is hard and the word is going to come and it's going to bounce on the hardness and Satan's going to come and he's going to snatch that away. There's some who are superficial. It's, 
going to receive it with joy. It's exciting and it's going to begin to sprout. But then persecution and tribulation for the word comes and it chokes it out. And they begin to say, oh, no, 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 I'm I'm not part of that. (laughs) And then there's that which falls among the thorns. I wonder, are you here this morning and you're more concerned about the world? You're more concerned about the riches of this world and the life of this world that has choked you out. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.